0: Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. Again, just so
1: grateful that you're here. It's such an honor and a privilege to to be here with you today, especially on just a a day when so many else or so many other people are gone. Uh, This past week, I had the opportunity to be gone or to be away. I was uh, blessed to uh, be sponsored to go down to a a retreat center for pastors. Uh, It was a week-long getaway uh, down in South Carolina and just had an amazing time with some uh, uh, pastors from all over the nation Uh, Guys that I didn't know and we just came together, became a a band of brothers by the end of it. But here's one of the things that uh, had become very apparent just as I'm sitting around this table with uh, uh, about 15 different pastors. And they're pastors of all different sized churches. I mean, one in particular guy, he pastors a church of 20,000. And I mean, can you imagine having a church that big and just the pressure and the stresses? But one of the things that I found or that was very noticeable is that as we're sitting around this table with a group of pastors, pastors are just going through stuff. I mean, especially coming out of the season that we have been in. I mean, just so many things that, that pastors are dealing with, uh, uh, things that you, know, you may not be aware of or... Uh, uh, hear of but you know there's different pastors that i've heard of it, you know they've just committed suicide in this season in this time of just a lot of heartache and a lot of hardship uh there's a lot of things that uh, go on such as uh, moral failures within uh pastors homes and again you don't necessarily see it or hear it in the the headlines when it's a smaller ministry but once again why are these things happening it's because of all the stuff that you know, people face nowadays. And so uh, if, if a pastor is not exempt from it or they go through those things, obviously people in the church have the same opportunity to go through the same struggles and things that we do as well. Right? And so I just want you to uh, sit back and relax and, and purpose to hear what God wants to say to you today. Because I believe there's some things that will help us, help you in the season that you're going through and the things that you're dealing with. How many of you can say that I'm dealing with some stuff? Right? We all are at some degree. Some things are major, but you've just not told anybody. You know, you're really going through it, but nobody knows what you're dealing with. But you don't have to do it alone. In this past week, actually the last week and a half, these words kept stirring around in my heart, and it was unwilling to do without. And so today, being the Labor Day weekend, I'm just going to do a one-off message, and that's simply what we'll entitle it, Unwilling to Do Without. And so that, that those words kept stirring in my heart, and things that I kept uh, just uh, hearing, Unwilling to Do Without. And we'll get there in just a moment as to what the Lord was trying to speak to my heart about, but... Just as I begin to prepare, the Lord led me to the book of beginnings. Obviously, it's the book of Genesis. And so I want to draw your attention to the first family. Obviously, you understand that the first family was Adam and Eve, right? And you also understand, or maybe you don't realize it, but the Bible says that God created the world, the heavens and the earth, everything that was around it and in it, Right? And the Bible says, then God made man, or he made his family. And you realize that all of creation, everything about it, was so that God could have a family, so that he could have somebody to love, and for somebody to love him back. You realize that when it comes to the angels, their job is to love God and to serve God. They don't have a choice. That's just what they're supposed to do. But when it comes to man, God wanted a family and not somebody that will love them because it's their duty, but to love Him because they genuinely had a desire to love Him. Right? That was His whole intent, to have family and a family that He could love. In fact, the Bible says this, that all of creation, the stars, the sun, the galaxies, the planets... Everything, the beauty of this globe, the Bible says that God did it for you and me. He didn't do it for Himself. He did it for us. What He did for Himself was to make you and me. And to show or to see just the heart of God in creation, the Bible tells us that when He made the creation, it says that after He was done, He says, that's good there was something different in what God said when He made you. After He made His man, after He made His kids and His family, the Bible says that God stepped back and said, that's very good. In other words, God sets you apart from everything else. We see the love of God being expressed not only in how He created creation, But the very words that He spoke of His creation expresses how much God loves you. Because He puts you at a whole different place. Not just being good. He said, you're very good. But isn't it interesting that as time goes on, the Bible tells us that man becomes tempted by Satan. Again, you're familiar with the story. But isn't it interesting, because it is human to be tempted, but the fact that Adam and Eve were being tempted, they were in in an entirely different place than what you and I are at. Because at that time, there was no sin nature within man, there was no fallen state within the creation. They just only knew a relationship with God, and now were finding themselves being tempted. And the way that they were being tempted is the enemy was saying, there's something that God has withheld from you. And so the picture that the enemy was trying to paint and the very fact that they were able to be tempted and fall to sin is they lost sight of God's love. They lost sight of how very good they were in the eyes of God. Isn't that interesting? That the very first creation that has never experienced the sin nature or the, or the fallen nature of this world, they lost sight of the love of God. And then again, you continue to know the story. The Bible says that in that moment of falling and sinning, it says that they realized that there were, they were naked. And then as they realized that they were naked, the Bible says that they hid themselves from God. And God came looking for him and says, "Adam, where are you? I'm looking for you, son. Where are you at?" And finally, Adam says, "Well, we hid ourselves." And God says, "Well, why are you hiding?" He said, "Because we're naked." He said, "Who told you that?" Come on, isn't it interesting that God asked them the question, who told you you were naked? Because it wasn't me that saw it, and it wasn't me that was bringing it to your attention. So in other words, you could say it this way, when it, come to, when it came to Adam and Eve, they, they hid themselves... Not because God saw them as naked. It was because they saw themselves as naked. And therefore, they didn't see themselves as being loved by God. Or in other words, what we've done, the sin we have committed, has caused us to not be accepted or loved by God anymore. And isn't that the ploy of the enemy these days? God's disappointed. God don't love you. You've messed up. Or what you've done has caused you to not be accepted before God. Or God's disappointed. Have you ever felt that way before? Man, I disappointed God. God's upset with me. Amen? And so again, when we see this story, we see that once again, they had an inaccurate view of themselves. They had an inaccurate view of themselves, and as a result of having an inaccurate view of themselves, they pulled away from God. And isn't that what the enemy tries to do to you, is that he tries to get you to have an inaccurate view of you. Because the Bible says that he has loved you from the very foundations of the world. The fact that they fell, the fact that they committed sin, did not cause God to love them any less or any differently. The Bible says that He has loved you with an everlasting love. So in other words, His love for you does not change. And if we're thinking that God's love for us has changed, it's because we have had an inaccurate view of ourselves. Come on, somebody. If I'm standing here thinking, oh, dear God, God's upset with me, I've got an inaccurate view of myself. In other words, I'm looking at my nakedness and God's saying, who told you that? Who told you to look at what you did or the thing that you're struggling with? Who told you to look at that? Because all I want you to look at is how much I love you. Because in spite of what you did, I still see you as being very good. Amen? Do you remember the, the sinner on the cross? I mean, there's these two men that are hanging next to Jesus. They deserve to be there. And the one man cries out to Jesus and says, Jesus remember me today. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me. Today you'll be with me. Remember the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. Oh, it's so easy to point the faults out and the things that people are messing up in, especially in church. How many of you know that church is the only place that you shoot your own wounded? It's the only army that shoots and kills their wounded when they're down. Jesus didn't do that. The woman that was caught in the act of adultery, He didn't say, Yeah, yeah. The law says you should be stoned and put to death. I'm going to be the first one to throw the stone. Now, what did he do? He said to everybody else, he says, well, anybody else that is blameless or without sin, you cast the first stone. And then he turns to her and he says, woman, your sins are forgiven. Go sin no more. Did he camp on it? Did he give her a lecture? Did he criticize her? Well, what the heck you thinking? You know better than that. Stop that stuff. No, he loved her. He redirected her self-identification not from what she was, but what she is. You're forgiven. Amen. Now, I said to you that God kept stirring these words on the inside of me. Unwilling to do without. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 7, I want to read this to you. Now, this particular passage of Scripture is one that we... And the context is in regards to giving of substance. And it's accurate to use these Scriptures in that context. But I want to read it and look at it from a little bit different angle this morning. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Classic Edition. And it says this starting in verse 7. It says, Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully. Or under compulsion for God's love has taken pleasure or he takes pleasure in prizes above all things or other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without. Now, let me pause there because that's how we typically read it. We read it as a continuation and then we make the shift as talking about God's heart towards us. But let me read it differently. Let each one who gives as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully, or under compulsion for God's love. Period. How many of us feel that in order to receive God's love, we've got to do something? Or I've got to do it just so, just right? God, I want to get your attention. God, I failed you. Rather than looking at how God loves me, I'm looking at my failure versus God's success through Jesus. And once again, notice what it says. Doing it reluctantly. Purposing to give of me. God, I would love to give me, but I'm not good enough. And so therefore, as a result, I'm purposing to have the right heart. I'm trying not to be reluctant. I'm not trying to be sorrowful. I'm not trying to do under compulsion for your love. But oftentimes that's what we do. But then it goes on to say this. God takes pleasure and prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in His giving. So we could say it this way. God is unwilling to do without somebody that will come to him and just say, God, Jesus paid the price. It is enough. I don't have to try to gain your love, but because of Jesus, I can give you all of me. And the Bible says that God is unwilling to do with that. He's unwilling to do without all of you. But we approach God, well, God, I feel like I'm only giving half. Well, it's not based on what you feel like doing. God, I'm just doing my best that I can. God, I love you. And God says that what he's endeavoring to do, he's unwilling to abandon or do without you. And once again, I'm putting a spin on this scripture. But once again, if you look at it from the standpoint that Oftentimes, we're trying to receive God's love. But God says, I'm unwilling to do without all of you. But here's how much I'm willing to help you know that I love you. When you're tempted to think you've got to earn my love, let me just show you how far that I'll go. Look at what it says in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace, every favor, an earthly blessing... Come to you in abundance so that you may always under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in the abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Or in other words, one translation says this, lacking nothing. So in other words, God says, I will cause you to have favor in my eyes. I'll cause you to abound. What I sent Jesus to do was so that you would lack nothing, that you would be self-sufficient, not needing any support or aid or help to approach me because Jesus did everything so that you could come to me and give you all of me and receive all of me. Come on, are you seeing that? God goes above and beyond to help draw you to Himself. But oftentimes, just like Adam and Eve, all we can do is see our faults, our failures, our mess-ups, and the enemy camps on that the moment you wake up and say, Hey, loser! Hey, failure! Hey, sinner! Hey, backslider! What are you going to do today? Because you know God's watching your every move. Is it going to be a repeat of yesterday? And all the while, what's he trying to do? He's trying to expose your nakedness in yourself. And in seeing your nakedness in yourself, it causes you to withdraw or to retreat from God. And God's saying, where are you at? And you're saying, I'm hidden. I'm naked. And God says, who's telling you that? Because in Jesus, you're covered The blood has covered you. And God's not looking at the failure. He's looking at you through the blood. Now, am I saying that this is a license just to do whatever you want? No. There is holiness and there is a walking with God. But God is a a gracious God to help us grow and mature and to develop in this walk with Him. Amen. You know, when it comes to my children, I've got a 9-year-old, a a 13-year-old, and a 15-year-old. My expectations of each child are not the same because I know that they're at different places, right? Well, why do you think God has set a bar so high that you can barely achieve it and that's on your good day, right? No, he knows where you're at and he's saying, I just want you to give me all of you. And I am so willing to help you that I am able to give you grace that will abound. That you'll find favor in every earthly blessing. That it will come to you in abundance and that you will always, under all circumstances, under all circumstances, say it with me, under all circumstances. Come on. It doesn't matter if you messed up. It doesn't matter if you're struggling in this walk with God. It doesn't matter if you're struggling in your marriage. It doesn't matter if the finances are falling apart. God says, No! Don't look at that because I have given you an abundance that you may be uh, uh, in all circumstances and whatever the need be, be self-sufficient, not needing any support or help because I've given you all that you need. Amen? Amen? I'm unwilling to do without. I'm unwilling for you to know how much I love you. That's what God's saying. I'm unwilling for you to know how much I love you. You know, there's that scripture. It says over in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. It says, we love God because He first loved us. We love God because He first loved us. God loves you first. He loves you most. Amen. I was talking to one guy. You know, when we, when we went away there to that uh, pastor's retreat, they had a pastoral counselor there, and so we all had time to sit down with him. And so as we're talking, you know, I'm talking with this guy. I'm in my time, and, and he starts joking around. He says, well, you know I'm God's favorite. And I said, well, you know I'm the apple of his eye. He started laughing. He says, I've said that to every pastor. And he says, I've never had anybody give me a response. He said, that was good. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I know who I am. (laughs) Amen. God loves you. Right? But the reason that you love God or have the opportunity to love Him is because He first loved you. Oftentimes, we're trying to fulfill the purpose of God in our life. God, what have you called me to? As a pastor, I wrestle with that. God, I want to fulfill my plan. I want to fulfill my purpose. God, I want to be a blessing. I want to make you happy. I want you to be pleased with me, God. But my number one purpose, now listen to this. My number one purpose, your number one purpose is to let God love you. Your purpose is is to let God love you because he first loved you now once again you say well uh, yeah I want to let God love me but did you see how Adam and Eve the very first family members upon failing or falling they withdrew from God so don't think you're d- any different No, when you you feel that pressure of life, when you feel the, the burdens of life, when you feel overwhelmed or feel like you're failing God, what do you end up doing? You withdraw. And God's not wanting us to withdraw. In fact, the more that we would know the love of God... I mean, have you ever talked to somebody... Somebody that's been in your circle of friends or come to your church and, and, and you don't see them for a while and then you start talking to them like, well, I've been going through some stuff and I just figure, well, you know, the best thing to do is just kind of get my, my stuff together before I come back to church because, like, what's the point? You know, I'm struggling, so why, why even waste my time going to church? i got to get this thing figured out. So because of the stuff, they withdraw from God. But if we truly understood or knew how much God loved us, rather than withdrawing, we would run to God. Amen? Why is it that we have difficulties being intimate with our spouses? And when I say intimate, I'm talking about uh, uh, that intimate fellowship and connection. It's because we feel like we might be rejected. So we kind of keep our guard up at times or just people in general. But if I knew that the best place and if I knew that that uh, that person genuinely loved me, I would draw near to them rather than Distancing myself. And the same thing applies to God. If we truly knew how much God loves us, we would draw close to Him. He doesn't love me based on condition. He doesn't love me because I perform. He's unwilling to do without me. He's unwilling to do without you. He's wanting you to know how much He loves you. I want to encourage you today that the closing days of this year, starting today, starting tomorrow, make a conscious decision, I am unwilling to do without the love of God in my life. I'm unwilling to do without. I'm unwilling to do without knowing who God is. I'm unwilling to do without knowing how much He loves me. I'm unwilling to do without God's grace and His supply of what He gave through Jesus. In Mark chapter 12, in Mark chapter 12 it says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Notice what it says. Give your all. I just want you. I'm unwilling to do without. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Verse 31 says, And second is like it. And it's this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Isn't it interesting that it says the expression of God's love towards you is to love your neighbor as yourself. So that could mean your neighbor your church family, your spouse, your children. But I think we oftentimes get that kind of backwards. Because it says to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think at best, many of us just prefer ourselves. In other words, we're just selfish about ourselves. But we really don't love ourselves. In fact, I think oftentimes we struggle with ourselves. And in order for you to love your spouse, love your children, to love your neighbor, to love people that are going to hell, you've got to truly understand how much God loves you to the point that you love you. What does that mean? Oftentimes, the way that we're loving ourselves is the way that we've been loved. I mean, you might be from a background where, you know, your, your household, dad and mom, they were critical. You're like, well, yeah, they loved me, but, you know, they were always critical. Well, I know mom and dad loved me, but they never showed any grace or mercy. I know mom and dad loved me, but they always just kind of pushed me to the side. Mom and dad said that they loved me, but you know what? I just don't know that I ever saw that displayed as growing up and so as a result of how you've been loved by a dad and a mom that is what you have learned through the pattern of your life that's what you begin to duplicate right and so what do you end up doing you start looking at yourself in the mirror And rather than seeing yourself the way that God sees you and the way that God loves you, you start looking at yourself and at best the way that you love yourself is the way that you've been loved. So I look at myself in the mirror and all I can do is be critical. Should be more. Could do more. Ought to do better. Right? I don't show myself any grace, any mercy. I'm hard on myself. Well, how how can that be? Maybe it's a result of how I was raised. Now here's the thing. You might say, that's my home. My parents never really showed me love. My parents just pushed me to the side. And you've made it about you. And you've taken it personal. But why do they love you that way? It's because they're broken themselves and that's how they were loved. But it's, a t- it's time to stop the cycle and loving yourself in the manner in which you were loved and see yourself in the way that God loves you and that He's unwilling to do without you because you are so very good. And you're saying, Yeah, but God, I'm naked. And He says, Who told you that? I love you. And God is not being critical. He's not being hard. In fact, the Bible says that He pours out the abundance of grace and mercy and favor because He wants to prove to you that you don't have to perform to receive His love. Amen? And so, God wants us to practice loving ourselves like He loves us. And it's only then that you'll be able to love others. Because once again, if you don't learn how to love yourself the way that God loves you, you will be critical. You will love on condition when it comes to your spouse, your children, people around you, rather than extending the grace and the mercy. Amen? Isn't it interesting how easy it is to point out faults in the lives of people? Man, we're good at that, aren't they? Aren't we? I tell you what, I got a master's degree in that, man. <laughs> Amen. Isn't it interesting how we can come to church and we can sit back and point out all the faults like, yep, yeah, yeah, I know how you are. I see what you're doing. I know your life story. Yep, 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 yep. And we want to criticize or identify the nakedness in somebody's life. But do you realize that if you truly were walking in the love of God, knowing how much God loves you, and therefore you can love yourself, you wouldn't come into church being critical on people that are struggling in their walk with God. In fact, it ought to break your heart to the point that, God, I just want to love them. God, I want to pray for them. God, I just want to... Oh, I just want to just pour out the love of God on them because they don't know how good you are, God. They're they're withdrawing from from you. They think that this life over, over here adds some kind of value to them. They just don't know how much you love them, God. See, when we truly know how much God loves us and we love ourselves, come on, it changes the focus and the attention that we see others with. And it allows us to love people. Come on, how many of you know that would work in marriages? Amen? Man, I'm telling you what, marriages are so easy. I mean, you live, you live with somebody long enough, you let the guard down, don't you? In fact, let's just be quite honest. If people were able to see how you interact with your spouse... The people of the church I'm talking about, they'd probably question, are you even saved? Do you even know Jesus? (laughs) And that's not being critical. I'm just saying, you know, that's just where the rubber meets the road, right? But why are we like that in our marriages or our homes? Why are we free to say or to do certain things? It's because we don't love ourselves the way that God loves us and desires us to. Does that make sense? Praise God. The Bible says that he takes pleasure. This is again in 2 Corinthians. He takes pleasure. He prizes above all things and is unwilling to abandon or do without. A cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. Did you hear that? Oh, prompt to love somebody rather than criticize Prompt to express love in a marriage rather than tear down. He's unwilling to do without. I'm unwilling to do with the full supply. I'm unwilling for you to live your life without experiencing my love. How do I do this? How do I increase my understanding of God's love for me? And how do I increase the ability to love myself? Do you realize that Our lives are oftentimes built around memories. We try to do X, Y, and Z, making memories and trying to to do things that make us feel good. Some of you might be thinking, man, I didn't get to go away for Labor Day. I didn't get to make a memory. I didn't get to have fun. I'm stuck here at church. Well, how many of you know you can make memories or God can make moments? Memories are surrounded by and triggered by feelings and emotions. And how many of you know, memories can fade over time. But when God establishes a moment in your life, moments in God are eternal. Amen. In fact, when you experienced the love of God, you had a God moment where you said, God, thank you for loving me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. And that moment is eternal. Amen. Why? Because God's love reaches down and will meet you right where you're at. Amen. Paul said this. He said, stir up the gift that is in you that was imported by the laying on of my hands. He's bringing attention to spiritual truths. And he said, stir that up. There was impartations that were made when I ministered to you. Stir that up. Well, if I can stir that up, the greatest deposit that was ever made was when God put His love in me. The gift of love is in me. God is in me. The love of God is in me. So stir it up. Stir up love. Amen. Have you ever uh, 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 had a, 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 well, in my household, I get outvoted. I like orange juice that you can chew. You know what I mean? Where it's got a lot of pulp in it. My, my family don't like that. But there, there are just times, you know, if you let your orange juice sit long enough, <clears throat> it'll settle to the bottom or the pulp will, right? So what do you got to do? in order for you to enjoy it in the whole measure of your drink, you got to stir it up. Right? Oftentimes what happens is the love of God gets sifted and settled down because all of a sudden we become so aware of our nakedness and all the faults and the failures and the challenges of life. And God says, stir up love. Stir it up. It's in there. I don't think I can love my spouse anymore. You can stir it up. I don't think I can look beyond the fault or the thing that they did or the thing that they said. Stir up love because love covers a multitude of sins. Stir it up. You have to be intentional to stir it up. And the more that we learn and know how much God loves us, we can love ourselves. And once we begin to love ourselves, we can start to truly love our neighbor or our spouse, our children, our community. Can somebody say amen? There was a song, just as I close here, that we used to sing years ago. And it was, well, it went like this. The only way I can do it is if I sing it. You don't mind if I sing to you, do you? (laughs) I hate singing in front of people, but it's just kind of like right there. But a a song that went like this. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. I started too high. I want to know you, God. Or I want to know you more. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. And then the next line is, the greatest thing in all my life is loving you. The greatest thing in all my life is loving you. I want to
0: love you more.
1: (laughs) I want to love you more. The greatest thing in all my life is loving you so what was it the song all about stirring up knowing that I'm loved by God and that I love God so let's stand together if you will amen and just as we close with your eyes closed just turn your te- attention and your affections toward God and I want you to say this with me say my purpose is to be loved by God God loves me and God even likes me I'm not known by my past I'm not known by my present or my future I'm known by the love of God I do not have to perform for God's love I have not surprised God I have not caught him off guard He's not mad at me, nor is he disappointed with me. God's love for me is unwilling to do without me. In Jesus' name. My encouragement to you is, is that when you wake up in the morning, before you get on to your busy day, before life becomes bombarding and the weight of the, uh, 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 the cares of this life. Take just a moment before you get out of the bed and say, God, today, you're going to love me. When you go to bed at night, just simply tell the Lord, God, thank you for loving me today. And then as you get up the next day, God, help me fulfill my purpose. Help me know how much you love me. And let's begin to see ourselves differently the way that God sees us. Amen? Let me pray over you and those that are watching online. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every single person that's under the sound of my voice. I pray that, Lord, we would make it our mission, our purpose, to know how much you love us. God, I pray that as we begin to see our nakedness that we would ask ourselves the question who's telling me that right now and Lord that we would on purpose redirect or rearrange our view and see ourselves as you see us so God I thank you that we're moving up and moving on to greater things ahead in Jesus name and everyone said amen
0: amen well that's it do you feel the glory do you feel the feeling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.